When I was a kid, I felt like I wasn't allowed to do anything wrong. I always had to say the right thing, do the right thing, get the 100 on the test, have the perfect attitude all the time, and if I didn't, then I was going to be in trouble. And no kid wants to be in trouble. No person wants to be in trouble. But I felt like anything would get me in trouble. And that's followed me into my adult life, where I felt like, I felt like I have to do everything right all the time, perfectly right all the time for all of the people I know. There's a part of me that's fairly cynical. So I, you know, I want people to do the right thing all the time and say the right thing all the time. But I never really expect it. It's a weird sort of dichotomy in my mind. And it was the kind of things that were said to me when I was a kid that really have formed me in this way. But what does that look like when you're a Christian parent, a Christian single parent? What kind of things should we be saying to our kids? How should we be raising them? That's what I want to talk about today. I want to see what the Bible says, very small dose of what the Bible says about how we should be interacting with our kids. Welcome to the Single Parent Preacher. My name is Alex. I want to start in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 is parents we really like. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Just put parents where it says fathers, because the single parents are playing both. What does that mean? Do not provoke your children to anger. Colossians 3 says it similarly, a little different. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. We like that one. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Now, what does this provoke mean? We know what it means when somebody provokes us to anger. They needle us and they poke at us and they do these things to get a rise out of us, right? But how does that apply to our kids? Because our kids are going to do things wrong. They're going to make mistakes. They're going to get in trouble. So if you punish them? Are you provoking them to anger? Is that the wrong thing to do? I'll answer that now before anybody stops this. No, that's not the wrong thing to do. Proverbs 13.24, whoever spares the rod hates a son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. It's our job as parents to discipline our kids when it's required. And that, I think, is one of the things that distinguishes the idea of provoking a child to anger versus the discipline and instruction of the Lord that Ephesians talks about. Because we can be overprotective. We can overly stop or overly inform or overly influence our kids. We sometimes don't let them make the mistake. And I'm not talking about big things. I'm not talking about, you know, not oh, let's sit back and let's see what happens when little Johnny puts the fork in the outlet. No, stop your kid from doing that. 
I may have shared this story on the show before, and I'm sorry if I have, but it seems appropriate at this time. I was in third grade, I think, and I had a multiplication test, and I got a zero on the multiplication test. I didn't get a zero on anything. As noted in the intro, I had to get the perfect grades, so I got a zero. My dad tells the story like this. I come home with this paper, and he looks at it, and he looks at it really close. Family trait, apparently, examining paperwork really, really closely. And he notices that I wrote in every correct answer, but I erased them all. And he said, why did you erase all the answers? And according to him, my response to that was, I had never gotten a zero before. I wanted to see what it felt like. I don't remember getting in trouble for getting a zero on that test. Because sometimes it's just one of those things. Sometimes you have to let your kid make the mistake. We all know that we have learned more in our lives from the mistakes that we've made than the successes that we've had. And we've made a lot more mistakes than we've had successes. But when we coddle and we overprotect and we try to put our kids in this little bubble where they can't do any wrong, they can't make mistakes, oh, it's okay. It's okay to have a temper tantrum over nothing, make us all late, not cooperate, not listen. It's okay. No, it's not okay. Now, there may be something deeper going on. There may be a conversation that needs to be had with your child when things are calmer. But that behavior is not okay. If you, as an adult, started an argument about nothing and held up leaving or getting ready or something for whatever activity you were going to go do or even just to go to bed, that behavior doesn't fly well. There's going to be consequences. There need to be consequences. But we also know that nobody learns and nobody responds well when they're upset. And I'm a fixer. I see a problem. I want to fix it. I want to fix it now. I don't want to wait because I've seen too many problems happen and then not get worked out with some sort of promise that it will be discussed later. And then it never comes up again. Or the next time it comes up, it comes up in another argument, another large emotional moment, which is just as useless because you still can't resolve it. I'm sure everyone can think of a time where that's happened, whether you were a kid, whether you were an adult. There's been some point where there's been a big emotional moment in Either you knew you were in the wrong or you knew the other person was in the wrong and there was correction that was attempting to happen, but the correction couldn't happen because there's too much emotion. It was too big, too angry, too sad, too whatever. It doesn't work. The same thing is true for our kids. Think about it like this. If you're upset, are you going to be able to calm down if another person is yelling at you to calm down? No, you're not. The only way that ever works is if you have become so used to being shouted down for your emotions that you know that something worse is coming if you don't 
stop. We don't want to put our kids in the position where they react to us out of fear. The Bible talks a lot about fear and about how we're not supposed to be afraid. Now, we want our kids to not be okay with getting in trouble. They need to understand that there are consequences for actions. They need to not like those consequences, but they need to still love you. If you've ever heard the phrase, love the sinner, hate the sin, when it comes to our kids, I think they need to love the parent, hate the punishment. And that's where the line gets blurry. That's where I think this provoking to anger comes in. Because if you discipline too hard, or you make it personal, like, especially little kids are little kids, they don't really understand the make it personal thing. You know, when you get into teenagers and older older kids who kind of understand things a little bit better, then yeah, they can needle and make it personal and make it about you. But it's up to us to not have it be personal. It's up to us to be the voice of calm and reason when all around us is not calm or reasonable. Another verse in Colossians, this time chapter 4, verse 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Now, I'm going to reference that verse again in a different message. But for now, I just want to contextualize this for our kids. We need to know how to answer our kids, and nobody knows them like we do. Arguably, the only person who knows our kids better than us is God. And that's not even arguable. He does. God knows our kids better than we do. We need to know how to respond to our kids, how to not provoke them. The other verse in Colossians says, Less, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So when I was a kid, because I always felt like I had to be perfect, I was afraid to try new things. And when I did try new things, I felt like I had to do it perfectly the first time. Right away, I had to get it. I had to get it now. And if I didn't get it immediately, then I gave up because these expectations on me were so high. It was crushing. It was discouraging. I not so jokingly say, like, I didn't have much of a, of a childhood. I didn't feel like I got to really be a kid because my every move was judged. My every breath felt like it was being judged. And it sticks with you. Into being an adult, that sticks with you. So how do we do it? How do we avoid provoking our kids to anger? Well, the first thing I've already talked about a couple of times is don't be overbearing. Don't be overprotective. Let them explore. Let them play. All of life, adult kid, doesn't matter, is about freedom within restrictions. Life is not the purge where all laws go away and everybody can do whatever they want. Just in normal life, you're free to do 
whatever you want to do, as long as you follow these guidelines. When you get in your car and you drive, you are allowed to go wherever you want to go, as long as you follow the rules of the road. You don't go to somewhere where you're literally not allowed to go because of gating or security or whatever. And you have gas in the car. And you're allowed to put more gas in it if you have the money to pay for the gas. Freedom within restrictions. Well, that's what your kids need to do. They need the freedom to be who they are. So if they're talkative and energetic, let them be talkative and energetic within limits. There are times where you need to settle down. There are times where you need to be quiet. If your kid likes to sit and read books, then let them sit and read books. If they like video games, I think you let them play with constrictions on screen time, of course, and content. If your six-year-old is playing Call of Duty, I would say you need to change that. I'll admit, screen time is one of the hardest things for me because I like screen time. I have to control my own screen time to show my son that you can control screen time. That screen time needs to be controlled. But if every time they do something that's even lightly annoying or irritating. Like you sit down to dinner and they go, Mommy, Daddy, can I have some juice? And you just sat down. We all know that feeling. Like, I just I just finished cooking. I just sat down. All I want to do is sit. If you respond with, I just sat down, your kid's going to pick up on that. Even if you get up and get the juice, your kid's going to get picked up on the, you can say the whiny thing, because that's a whiny thing to say. Oh, I just sat down. It's whiny. None of us like whining. None of us like when other people whine. (laughs) But they pick up on that. They pick up that behavior. We have to model for them the kind of person we want them to be too. Let your speech be seasoned with salt so that you know how to answer each person when you're answering your kids don't answer them out of a sense of annoyance i always knew when my parents were annoyed with me and all that taught me was to just not talk just leave them alone and now as an adult i argue with myself all the time about the things i say and how i say them and how much i say because the moment somebody starts getting annoyed, I feel like I have to like walk back everything I just said. And while we don't want to, as ourselves, or we don't want our kids to be saying intentionally inflammatory things, every once in a while you got to say something that's tough. But say it in a loving way. We have to model that. So that's the second thing that we can do to not provoke our kids to anger, is don't act like they're an imposition when it's not they depend on you they depend on you for emotional support they depend on you for physical support they depend on you for their food for their they depend on you so if every time they reach out they're met with no or some sort of annoyed comment they're gonna feel like they're a burden to you. Does anybody want to feel like they're a burden to someone else? Some people just don't care if they burden someone else. 
I don't think most people are like that. And we want to teach our kids that it's important that you can ask for help if you need it. And you can't do that if every time they ask you for help, you act really annoyed. Another way we can avoid doing this is making sure that when discipline happens that it's fitting. A timeout or a grounding, depending on how old your kids are, for spilling something on the floor is not an appropriate response. Now, if they grabbed it and looked at you and were just defiant and just poured it on the ground, that's a little different. But if they're just walking or they're chatting and they move their arm and they knock something over, that's not really worth that sort of punishment. At the same time, if they do grab it and they just poured something or they broke something on purpose and you go, oh, it's okay, we'll just clean it up. That doesn't fit either. Because in neither way are you addressing the reality of the situation. An accident, you just clean up. Something intentionally malicious requires a response. A real discipline response. Because it has to be known, this is not okay. What that looks like in your house, how you execute what is appropriate for what level of misbehavior, that's on you. Your house, your kid, your rules. But do it with the understanding that the idea of discipline isn't revenge. It's not, you did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you. It's, you did this thing that's wrong, you are going to get the consequences for your actions, and I'm going to instruct you. Ephesians, do not provoke your children to anger, but raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ultimately, the purpose of discipline is instruction. It is teaching. So make sure that whatever you do, there's a lesson that you teach. Because your kids need to know why they're in trouble. We all hate because I said so. We don't like it when our bosses do it. We don't like it when our friends do it. We don't like being told because I said so. Because you can't really correct a behavior if you don't understand why it's wrong. The classic example of a kid not doing anything wrong, especially if they're little, they're just exploring. The stove is hot. A kid goes to put his hand on the stove. You stop the kid from putting a hand on the stove. And we go, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. And then we follow up with, it's hot, it will hurt you. That's a reason. That's explanation. So now the child starts to understand. The stove is hot. When the stove is hot, if I touch it, it will hurt me. Therefore, I do not want to touch the stove when it is hot. There has to be explanation. There has to be instruction. There is no instruction without an explanation. And I think we all know that uncertainty. Something goes wrong. We don't understand why. And we never understand why. And there's this building sort of anxiety inside us that's like, why did this happen? I don't get it. I don't understand what went wrong. Well, you're an adult who can think through that whole process. You can go through that logic. Your kid can't. There are a lot of adults that can't either, for that matter, because nobody ever taught them how. And those are just three things. 
Don't be overprotective. Make sure that the discipline fits the crime. And make sure there's always a reason beyond because I said so or it's annoying for why discipline is happening. If we're going to be people who speak life in our lives all around, we have to start at home. We have to speak life to our kids. Proverbs tells us that the father, the parent who loves their kid, disciplines their kid. But we have to do it right. And we need to respond when it's not a disciplinary time. We need to respond properly in a way that shows our kids how we want them to respond. It is not good enough to say, don't scream, don't get angry, don't throw temper tantrums. But then when the slightest thing goes wrong for you, you scream and get angry and throw a temper tantrum. Do what I say, not as I do, is not a thing that works with kids, especially. So speak life. Don't provoke your kids. Instruct them every minute of every day. I want to thank you for your time listening to this episode. I hope that it has been helpful. You can find me on Twitter at SPPreacherPod. You can email me at thesinglepreacher at gmail.com. Now let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for our lives. We thank you for our kids. We thank you for the blessing that they are. Help us to instruct them. Help us to be the example that we need to be for them, to them, so that they grow up looking more like you and less like us. Give us the strength and the wisdom. Help us to change our bad habits so that we can show them good ones as they grow up. I pray that anything that's happened that's provoked our children to anger, that has broken that relationship and that trust between parent and child, that you would just heal that. That we would not be too proud to apologize to our children for the things that we've done and said wrong, but that we use even that as a way to instruct our kids on how you handle when you make mistakes. Teach us even as we teach them. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.